So this year in school, we're doing ancient and modern history, I guess, world history all the way through the world. And this is the primary text that we're using, The Discoverers by Daniel J. Bornstein. And because the semester is ending, I have to do a presentation that's basically a book review, a critical book review is what they call it, of Bornstein's book. And so I've done this before on my channel. I've done rough draft um, of my presentation and then, then you know I'll go and do the presentation and then if you want to watch the actual presentation you can go to my school assignments playlist and it should be there this presentation that I'm going to give but here's going to be my rough draft of the presentation so that's what this video is and it's going to be the review of the first basically half of the discoverers by Bornstein and the preface to his book Daniel J Bornstein said this is a story without end. All the world is still in America. This most promising, the most promising words ever written on the maps of human knowledge are terra incognita, unknown territory. Daniel J. Bornstein's main premise in his book, The Discoverers, is of man's progression of knowledge. That's his thesis. That's what he's trying to document, is man's progression of knowledge through the ages and several dimensions. The two parts of the book that I've read thus far are the part time and the part land and the seas. Time documents man's progression of his understanding of time through the calendar and the clock, and land and the seas documents man's progression of knowledge of cartography and geography and cosmography. I want to be focusing on, in this presentation, on two major aspects, the negatives of Bornstein's work up to this far in the positives. I will start off with the negatives. The first negative point that I want to bring up of Daniel Bornstein's work is that he has a positivistic view of discovery. Now, what I mean by that is Bornstein seems to imagine that so long as people are not hindered by religion or politics that are, let's say, malicious, they will automatically discover. He uses this as one of his main premises to support why Eastern countries did not discover Western countries or discover the rest of the world while the West discovered the East and the rest of the world. He seems to have this view that only so long as we didn't hinder ourselves, we would discover things. As I happen to disagree. I think that only so long as we don't hinder ourselves, maybe there will be less suffering in the world, but we actually need to have a positivistic reason for discovery, and that's what Christianity provides, and that's why the West discovered the world, especially, let's say, in development of the understanding of time and in development of the understanding of the globe's geography. The second point that I want to bring up is his misunderstanding of Christian cosmography. This is one of the biggest points in the second part of the book, Land in the Seas. Bornstein misconstrues what the Christians in the medieval period thought of as geography, and he also misunderstands. I want to start with the misconstruement first. Bornstein brings up such thinkers as Cosmos of um, Alexandria and his ideas that the earth was flat. However, different historians such as David C. Lindbergh have asserted that Cosmos was not particularly influential, but his, he is important for us because he has been commonly used to buttress the claim that all or most medieval people believed they lived on a flat earth. This claim is totally false. Other historians have commented similar things as Lindbergh has here, but Bornstein gives full-throated support that 
everyone in the medieval period believed that the earth was flat because Cosmos said so. He also criticizes the medieval appeal to symmetry, and he doesn't understand the symbolism of some of the things that they were doing in their cosmography. At the same time, Bornstein also praises the other countries and other regions such as China. He praises China for no reason that we can think of at all, such as on page 211 through page 213. He documents the Chinese geography of the world as thinking that the world was flat, not having mathematical equivalents, and plopping down cities where they thought it, the city should be plopped down on a grid and not where they actually were. His praise of China and his, I guess, condemnation of European geography seem to be at odds. One of the greatest tensions in the text, too, as my third negative point, is his to Ptolemy or not to Ptolemy question. Now, what I mean by that is, in some ways, Bornstein seems to really support Ptolemy, and only if everyone would listen to Ptolemy, then everything would be fine. While in other places, he really does not like Ptolemy. You can see pages 220, 21, 97, 219, among others, for the two Ptolemy passages, and for the not to Ptolemy passages, see pages 111, 263, 245, 242, 225, among others. One of the other interesting and my fourth negative point about Bornstein's work is his relationship to Islam. On page 232, he calls Islam tolerant, tolerant Islam, such as equivalent to the, I guess, tolerant ways of Holland in the medieval period, in late medieval period, while in other places, such as on page two or 121, he calls Islam more violent than Christianity. Obviously, it is empirically known that Islam is more violent than Christianity, but there is a contradiction in the text here. He also praises Islam in strange ways, such as on page 219 and 182. I want to read a short passage on two, page 219 because it's very telling of his understanding of what is going on between Christianity and Islam and of his overt biases. He says, even during the great interruption when Christian Europe was imprisoned in its dogmatic theological geography, mathematically inclined Muslim scientists were using astrology as a proto-astronomy to improve on Ptolemy's figures for latitude and longitude. Now note that earlier in this chapter he had called the Muslims imprisoned by their doctrinal faiths and not able to explore the world. And also note that the Muslims were not the ones who explored the Christians, but the Christians were the ones who explored the Muslims. And not only that, they explored Africa and Asia and discovered the Americas and charted the seas and were the first ones to circumnavigate the globe. None of this is incidental, and it's definitely not as incidental as Bornstein wants it to be. Now, to move on to the positive aspects of his book, I want to comment that he is very good at documenting actual events. He's not very good at interpretation, but he's very good at documenting what actually happens. This especially comes through in the first part of the section on time and in the latter part of the section on exploration. He's really good at seeing the historical forces that are moving and what is actually happening. He's a good storyteller. He just doesn't have any ability to document the why. He doesn't understand the Christians and their movements at all. He doesn't understand Christianity in the slightest. And that's my biggest critique of Bornstein's work, and that's how I could sum up my critique, is basically Bornstein understands what he understands, and that's what is, I guess, empirically historical, but he doesn't understand the why. He can document man's progression of knowledge, 
but he can't explain why it progressed in the way that it did. He can't explain the movements, let's say, the spiritual movements behind the physical events that are happening. He's very good at documenting the physical events, but he has no idea about the spiritual forces. And so that is my main critique of Bornstein's work. I want to end by saying that The Discoverers is an interesting book. It's a book filled with different stories of different things, lots of knowledge, lots of facts. But in some ways, it doesn't give one meaning. It doesn't give one the meaning of the history that one is reading. And if it does give one meaning, it gives it a snobbish meaning, that we should snobbishly look back on those people in the past as close-minded and as brutes and barbaric, and that they didn't know all the things that we know. This is part of Bornstein's heuristic. It's part of his bias. But one of the things that we should understand is that there is a meaning in history. There is a why. There is somewhere that all of history is pointing to. So when you read Bornstein's work, keep that in mind. Keep in mind that he is documenting most of these events as they actually happened. But he doesn't see the source of the events, and he doesn't see the telos of the events either. And as Christians, we should keep both of those in mind because they are very important to what our faith holds and, I guess, our bias, our heuristic of the world.